Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Are these retirement statistics encouraging or disturbing? That's the question we're asking on today's show with David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, serving you throughout Kansas City with an office in Overland Park. Find us online at CoverYourAssetsKC.com for more episodes, blogs, and all sorts of great information on the website. David, we've gathered up some updated retirement statistics from across the country, and it's time to find out if these things are encouraging or if they are disturbing findings, and if they're reflective maybe of the average client, and just out of curiosity, what you can do to improve your own retirement preparedness based on the information we cover today. So lots of good stuff to dive into, a couple of different categories of retirement planning. You ready to go? I think I'm ready to go. Let's just... Let's let's dive right in. All right, perfect. So we've got six statistics to cover today. We'll take them one at a time. And, and I don't think anyone will get lost in these numbers. We're not constantly throwing out crazy numbers here. So it'll be easy to follow along. Uh, first of all, first takeaway here, women have smaller overall retirement savings amounts. They average $57,000 saved compared to $118,000 for men. Now, David, at the end of our last episode, when we previewed what we were going to be talking about today, you gave a good little disclaimer there about (laughs) statistics being able to kind of weave any story that we want. You want to start the show off with a little disclaimer on that as well? Yeah, I think that's good. I I learned as a young person in, in this investment business that if you torture statistics long enough, they'll tell you anything that you want to hear. And I think this is a perfect example. First of all, it genderizes something that has nothing to do with gender. And we also don't know whether these the average woman they're talking about here is in her 30s or in her 60s. So let me kind of quickly unpack this and, and see if we can make some sense out of it, or at least get a takeaway from it. So I've already implied, I think this is a silly statistic. So personally speaking, my wife of 40 plus years is an attorney. But she also chose, we also chose to have her stay at home and raise our three daughters. So her IRA has way less money in it than my 401k. But our retirement savings is a 50-50 deal. So whether her IRA is smaller than mine is a nonsensical statistic, but you can trot it out there to prove whatever it is that you're trying to prove. I would say that the statistic that you rolled out is particularly disturbing if these people are in their 50s, but it's encouraging if they're in their early 30s. Uh, We've talked in previous podcasts, one of the ways that you ensure the kind of retirement you want is by starting early and being systematic about it. And so this is absolutely not reflective of my average client because my average client has saved way more than that for retirement. But my average client is in their late 50s to mid 60s. What you can do to improve on your preparedness based on that statistic? Well, make sure you've set a goal. If you're in your 30s or 40s, it's not too early. In fact, it might be a little bit late to set that goal of when you're going to retire and how much you're going to have when you retire. That doesn't mean you're not going to adjust that goal every year or two, but you have to have a, I think you have to have a goal and it needs to be written down. And then you also need to save systematically. I can think of times as a young person when (laughs) 
So we've always been churchgoers, and we've always tried to tithe. But when summer rolls around and you don't show up at church, you're used to giving money every week when you go. And then you don't show up for a couple of months during summer. (laughs) And then you feel a commitment to make everything whole. Well, all of a sudden you're giving a lot of money each week in the fall. Whereas now I just have an automatic contribution going to my church every two weeks on payday. And I'm never behind. I'm never ahead, but I'm never behind. And it's just a way to set things up systematically. So they become a part of the fabric of your financial life and you're not ever getting behind. So don't forget to pay yourself, whether in your 30s, your 40s, or your 50s, because pay yourself into your retirement plans because those are the monies they're going to be paying you back in your late 60s, 70s, and 80s. Great points across the board there. And yeah, you can see how that stack can get twisted any which way you want it to, depending on age and gender and uh, you know status of life and married or not married. You can make th- you can make that stat statistic encouraging however you want to by twisting it all up. So it's an interesting one to remember context in all of these. Um, All right, here's another one for you. In order to have a comfortable retirement, experts estimate you'll need now $1.04 million, a 10% increase from the prior year. I think context here is super important. What does comfortable mean to the author of whoever, you know, wrote that study? I know people who haven't made a ton of money in their life. They've never had a big salary. So comfortable retirement for them is two social securities, and maybe a small pension that one of them has, and they don't really need much out of their retirement plan. So to have a million bucks saved up, they couldn't dream of having that. (laughs) I have other clients that if they only had a million bucks (laughs) saved up, they would be freaked out. So this is neither for me encouraging nor discouraging. I would say this, uh, let's just say your household for a comfortable retirement, maybe is made up of a couple of social securities, maybe the primary worker gets 2500 bucks a month from social security and the the spousal benefit would be 1250 bucks for that and maybe out of that million dollars they apply the 4% rule so they get 40 grand a year out of that million bucks well that adds up to $85,000 a year and the social security has a cost of living increase to it they're probably then in the 12% tax bracket so is that comfortable well It's going to be comfortable for some people. It's going to be over the top for other people. And it's not nearly enough for a lot of people. So if 85 grand a year sounds good to you, then keep doing what you're doing to get that million bucks saved up. If it's not nearly enough, well, save more. If you're late in your working career and you're behind, I would strongly encourage you to resist the temptation to get more aggressive with your IRAs and 401ks to make up for lost time. Because if, you, if you're in your 60s and you dig a 20 or 25% hole in your 401k because of a market downturn, which we seem to be in the middle of right now, that could certainly negatively impact your retirement. So, you know, be careful out there, but make sure that you have a plan that's, that is calculated toward making your retirement as comfortable as you want it to be based on the lifestyle that you've been living for the last 10 or 20 or 30 years. 
Great points across the board once again, David, and uh, that is an interesting one. I love how specific it is, too. Like, we've always heard just the, the rounded off, you know, you need about a million dollars to retire sort of thing. And now they're like, 1.04. So I think that's... Yeah, remember when, when I was a little kid, being a millionaire was... I mean, there were, weren't that many of them. Sure. Yeah. And now there's a gazillion 401k millionaires. Yeah. So, you know... And, you know, the Dave Ramsey has even coined that a little bit in his stuff with the, the everyday millionaire, right? So, like, yeah. that's how more commonplace it does uh, does become. So Millionaire next door. The millionaire next door, exactly. Uh, every one of these things, you got to have the proper context to these stats. They're interesting to look at, though. Um, here's another one, and I think this one is uh, is maybe there's less manipulative context involved in this one. So this one's a little more just straight up, and I think will be interesting to compare just to your personal experience of what you're seeing among clients, David. 55% of American workers plan to continue working in some capacity in retirement. So more than half of folks plan to keep working in some way, shape, or form in retirement. Yeah, so so this might be a curveball, but I actually find that encouraging. I have friends, I have clients who are retired or they're retired early and work is now optional, but they're working because they want to work. They want the feeling of productivity. They want the meaning out of whatever they're doing. Maybe they're working at something that's different from how they earned their their money in their career. But I think it's awesome. Uh, I mean, one of the fears I have, I hear from people who are still working is, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do in retirement. I can't play that much golf. And so I think having your eye on a second career that might be for no money or for some money. I think that's awesome. But if you loathe thinking about working after your full retirement age, well, then up your game now and make sure that working during retirement is totally optional and that you're allowing yourself the option to opt out of working in retirement. Make sure it's a choice. Try to try to make it such that it's not a necessity in retirement. That's another great one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here's another one, David. 25% of Americans increased their financial savings as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. This one's surprising to me. I would have thought it would have been a lot more than that, just with how well the market rebounded during the pandemic and that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm going to call that one discouraging. And why is because we had some really big government handouts. And frankly, there was no place to go spend it other than on Amazon. So, you know, of, <laughs> of course, savings grew. There was an article coming out of the St. Louis Fed just this week, and it looked at savings rates. So from um, 2009 to today, it's averaged 7.25% of, of household income. From the start of the pandemic to today, it's almost 18%. But last month, it was 6.2%. So we are quickly burning through the savings that was put aside during the pandemic. And we're not a saving nation like a lot of places across the globe. We're a spending nation. Frankly, that's what drives a lot of our GDP in this country. So that's not a bad thing. But if you're spending above your means, that's a super bad thing. So I guess um, the trend there was dramatically upward in saving during COVID when the handouts were coming. And it's reverted to below average now uh, as we're kind of sort of getting back to normal. 
Yeah, too too bad that uh, unfortunate maybe that that number isn't higher in terms of increased financial savings due to the uh, what happened in the pandemic and the government help and uh, the increase in the market. It may, may, enough people maybe not <laughs> not not saving in the market, perhaps not experiencing those gains uh, gains, and that's unfortunate too for younger workers if they're falling in that category. Uh, another stat here for you, David, the number of retired workers receiving Social Security benefits was almost 70 million in 2021, up from 45 million just two years earlier in 2019. Talk about an increase. So that's up 25 million people. Yeah, that's the so impact that, of the baby boomer, right? <laughs> yeah, so that is probably disturbing, but it's definitely an amazing statistic. So the old stat from three, four, five years ago when the boomers started retiring is 10,000 baby boomers retired daily. That's about 4 million people a year. So over that two-year period, that would be 8 million, but the, but the numbers say we're up 25 million. So there's either a bunch of, well, it's a combination, but there's a bunch of retirees that retired, opted out early ahead of their full retirement age. We're also living longer, so you've likely had fewer deaths than you would otherwise have. So, but the growth of up 25 million people on social security is pretty staggering. So what do you, what do you do about that? Well, I would encourage our listeners to be prepared for some changes to the social security uh, proposition. So if you're still working, we have a a bunch of listeners in their uh, late twenties and and thirties and forties, you should probably be prepared for continued raising and maybe significant raising of the earnings cap. So you probably know that up to $147,000, you make that 6.2% contribution to Social Security. But every penny you make over $147,000, you don't pay anything into Social Security. And there are good reasons for that, and we're not going to go into that uh, in this podcast. But that cap is likely to go up at a higher rate than it's indexed to right now. So maybe if you make... 180 or 250 grand, a lot more of your extra money is going to be going to Social Security. You're probably going to contribute more than that 6.2% as well. At some point, Congress is going to say, well, we can't take 6.2% anymore. We got to have 6.5%. And then full retirement age, if you're in your 30s or 40s, right now you think it's age 67, but that's probably not going to be the case it's probably going to creep upward to 68 or 69 or, or 70. Since we're living longer, full retirement age where you get your full benefit is very likely to increase. If you're already retired, should you look for some changes to be made to you? Because politicians typically don't mess with the AARP. So if you're already retired, you have some pretty good reasons to think that your situation won't change a bunch. Well, a couple of things that I think they are going to mess with, they're probably going to make your Social Security 100% taxable. Right now, the most of your Social Security that can be taxed is 85% of it. I have some clients where none of their Social Security is taxed, but I'll bet that that goes to, I'll bet that percentage of the Social Security that you get that is taxable, I'll bet that goes up in the future. There might be some means testing. So for instance, the government might say, well, if you've got this much in your 401k or your IRA or your Roth, you don't need Social Security or you only need half of it. So they may do something like that. That's a little more out there. But what they could do kind of almost under the table is 
adjust the cost of living increase index downward such that you're still getting a cost of living increase in most years, but it's going to be less. So those are the types of things that the government can do to save money on Social Security. That's the second. It's growing at the second worst pace of any government program, Medicare being the first biggest problem we have. So I'd, I'd guess uh, that as we progress, we look at this stat two years from now, well, it's going to be way more than 70 million Americans. Oh, yeah. And so this is, a, this is a problem that's going to continue to grow. And at some point, Congress has to address it. And those are kind of the ways that I would think would be the least impactful ways when you consider their willingness, their, their need to get reelected. Those are probably the, the highest probability things that they will change to try to shore up Social Security. These stats are abundant and uh, are in so many different areas of the financial and retirement planning realm. We've covered investing, savings, Social Security, uh, working. And last one we'll end on, we get into he the healthcare realm here, David. Retirees in 2020 spent an average of $6,668 on health care. How does that number strike you? Encouraging? Disturbing? It is not a shocker at all. Uh, it's certainly not disturbing, and I don't know if it's encouraging or not. We're living longer, and cost of, med of medical care is certainly going up. It's not tax deductible unless you have a bunch of it, thousands and thousands, way more than 6600 bucks, and it's, it's not deductible. But as a, you, you spent about 1700 almost 1800 bucks on Medicare, plus any supplements, some drugs, so I have a lot of clients where that is a fairly normal number. So I'm not shocked by this. What you can do to improve it is really tricky. You know, improve your health. <laughs> but for instance, so I'm 64. I'll be 64 next month. I spent 64 years doing what I've been doing. So what I do over the next couple of years to improve my health <laughs> might have a limited impact versus what I've been doing for the last 63 years. So, you know, you can, you can kind of do some things to try to improve your health. But a lot of that's already baked into the cake once you're retired. So health, when we do plans for people, retirement plans, and we're looking at future expenses versus the income that they have, one of the things we always put a higher inflation factor on is health care because that piece of our economy keeps getting more and more expensive. And the longer that we live, we have more years where we're using that. So over the course of your retirement, the amount you spend on healthcare is going to be a big, big number. And as you're putting together your plan, either as a super duper do-it-yourselfer or working with an advisor, make sure that you've got some above normal increases in that just to play a little what if game and say, you know, if that happened to me or to my spouse or to both of us, would we still be fine? So, you know, that was kind of, that's kind of my takeaway on that. It's probably two years from now, if we re, if we repeat this podcast, I'll bet it's higher than 6,668 bucks a year. Very interesting, David. And I think you are definitely correct. 
as uh, the theme of the story is everything is going up. More people into Social Security, more expenses in health care, more needed to save to be comfortable, again, whatever that means in retirement, more people working into their retirement years. All these things seem to be on the increase. It's like inflation, but in all sorts of different forms that we're seeing play out in front of us. So very interesting to interpret all of these things. Thank you for providing us with some good context and your takeaways on these items as well. Uh, If you need some help with your financial plan, you can see David always puts a lot of effort into putting things into the proper context. It comes down to customizing things for you to making sure that your plan is built for you and with your goals and dreams in mind, not cookie cutter approaches and that sort of thing. So if you want to reach out and have a conversation about that, you can get, in fact, a CPR process, the Complete Planning Review, with David and the team by dialing 913-317-1414, 913-317-1414, or coveryourassetskc.com, and all that contact info is in the description of today's show. David, appreciate the help and the guidance on the program today and for going through these statistics, and uh, we'll have some more good episodes lined up next time around. I am looking forward to it, Walter. Yep. We'll uh, have David back with us, as always, new episodes every week. So come back and join us for another one here on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.